chapter number five. Today, we're going to be starting a new lesson on the doctrine of sanctification. Um, about a few months ago, we started to talk about justification. Now we're going to start to talk about sanctification. And it's a little bit hard to talk about sanctification because when you hear the term sanctification, oh no, the preacher is going to talk about how to live our lives again, and he's going to preach, uh, uh, you know, preach against what we're doing and stuff like that again. Well, we want to talk about the doctrine, and remember what we talked about last year, we need to be excited about the Word of God. See, the in-working of the doctrine, of, of the words of God, is what we're going to bring out and manifest in our lives. So if there's no doctrine there, if we don't know, if our minds don't know what we're supposed to do, then the outworking of our lives are just going to be all over the place. That is just going to be all over the place as well. So matter of fact, when I was studying and when I was preparing for this message, more than being... Oh man, this is going to be talking about how to live our lives again. I was actually excited about what the Lord God has done for us. And that we are not by our, you know, we are not living our lives just by our own power. And so let's look at what uh, the doctrine of sanctification in the next few Sundays will bring us. And I hope it's a blessing to everyone. It's not that when we talk about this, we're pointing our hands to people, to other people, and saying, hey, we are better than you. Or, hey, we're holier than you. Losers. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> it's all just by the grace of God. Remember when we talked about the order of salvation? We want to compare ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ as exposed, as, you know, as shown by the Apostle Paul, as he is the resurrected head of our body, it's because if we compare ourselves with each other, there's always somebody who's better or who's worse than us. But if we compare ourselves and model ourselves after the Lord Jesus Christ, then every mouth is stopped. So... Let's talk about the doctrine of sanctification, but let's lay the groundwork first. And today we're going to be talking about the standing versus state of, this, of the believer, of the saved person. But before that, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here. We thank you, Lord, for the brand new year. And uh, like we said earlier, we don't know if it's going to be a better year or uh, the same or worse year. But in any case, we are looking forward for you to come and catch us away, dear God. And uh, so whatever happens, we thank you that you are our Savior, that you gave your blood, you were buried, and that you rose again the third day. And Lord, we know that the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who died, who loved me, and gave himself for me. We thank you, Lord. Please set aside the man. Um, uh, set me aside, dear God, and everything that distracts from our hearts and our minds. And just help us to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. All right. Review from last week. We talked about uh, we talked about God's express will in the Bible that's written. All right. So number one, the first will of God is for everyone to get saved. If anything else, if you're in internet land or you're in this room, if you're not saved, you don't have to worry. Worrying about anything else is futile. You need to get saved. Amen. Number two, God's will is for us to come to the knowledge of the truth. After we get saved, then we dig into the word of God. Then we grow in the knowledge of God. Amen. Then we, once we have all, those, all that knowledge in us, all that doctrine in us, that's the outworking. That's what we live. That's, that's the essence of Christian life. Living a Christian life with no knowledge of what God said in His Word is just going to be people out there that are unsaved. It's just going to be the same. Moral people out there, they're good people. They're not saved, but they're good people. They're moral people. It's just going to be the same as that. If we don't have what God has said in His words in our lives to work out. And we'll, we'll talk about that more here in a bit. Number three, God's will is to save us from this present evil, what? World. So it's not just that God wanted to save us from death and hell. He also wants to save us in the now and now. So that's actually part of what we're going to be talking about today. Next, God's will is to live a life with a heart of... Starts with a T, a T ends with a Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Every time, you know, when I'm when I'm when I'm up here, I try to go this way and then and then try to say, you know, thanks for asking, Miss Maria, but Miss Maria, we're praying for you. <laughs> All right. Um, God's will is to live our uh, is for us to live our life with a heart of Thanksgiving or thankfulness. Next, God's will is for us to live a, an S life. Separated. Separated or sanctified life. Thank you, sir. Next, God's will is that He will not allow us to be blank above that which we are able. Tested or tempted. And last but not the least, instead of worrying about what people think God's will is, because a lot of people have their own idea of what God's will is. God's will is for me to be a, to be a rich man or to be the, the manager or the CEO of this and that or this and that. Instead of worrying about what God or what people think God's will is, we should focus on God's will that is expressly written in the what? The Bible, right? So because we don't know if those things that you think God's will is, is right or wrong, but we do know that the ones that are expressly written in the Bible are indeed correct and on point. So let's worry about doing these things first before we worry about anything else. So I'm not saying don't worry about that. I'm not saying don't worry about studying well or don't worry about doing well in your job or don't worry about shooting for a better life. I'm not saying don't do that at all. I'm saying while doing that, are we sure that we are are we making sure that we are doing these things first? Amen. All right, let's go to our text. We're studying about the standing and the state of the believer or the saved. 
Romans chapter number 5, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore, being justified by works. We have peace with God. Is that what it says? Justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Man, all these things are just coming together, what we've been talking about, aren't they? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into, his, into, his, into this grace, wherein, what? We stand. Talking about standing. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Once you are justified by faith, once you have placed your faith into this death, burial, and resurrection, once you are saved, you are standing in that grace. Amen. Now, on the other hand, Philippians 2.19 verse 20 says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your what? When I know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. So if anything, well, first and foremost, we need to be saved. If, you need to be saved if you're not saved. Now, number two, if there's anything that you want to get in today's message, you want to make sure that that state of yours, our state, my state, your state, everyone who is saved, your state has to be cared for. Why? Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. Next, Philippians chapter number 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. So, if we read this correctly, and I think we are, amen, our state is variable. That means it is changeable. It can change from one day to the next. Right? Therewith to be content. But if we're just talking about the pure, just the state of man by itself, especially somebody who is not saved, I'm sure all of you have heard of this verse. In Psalm chapter number 39, verse 5. Behold... Thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Oh, praise God. Side note, man, sometimes we're worried about our age. But if it's nothing before God, you, are, you need to be saved right now. Amen. Your, your life is nothing but a handbreadth, the thickness of your hand. Verily, every man at his what state? Best state is altogether vanity. Remember that word, Sila? What does that mean? Stop and think about that. We missed, a lot, we missed some of you during our December 24 uh, candlelight service so that we talk about the word Sila then. Before we talk about the standing versus state of the same, let's talk about, number one, the image of God versus the image of Adam. There's, we only have two points today, uh, so bear with me. The image of God versus the image of Adam. We know that when God created man, He created man in His own image. Now remember, 
I think you already know that this, that this preacher is a literalist unless the Bible says you can't be too literal about that. Sometimes it will say you need to take this allegorically or sometimes the context will say it's talking about something else. Maybe it's a type or a picture of something else, right? But if it does not do that, then our job is to take the Bible literally. So now, Genesis 1 verse 26 Start verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his what? Own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Right? So I want you to focus on that word own because that's going to change when Adam falls into sin. Watch. Genesis chapter number 5 verse 3. And Adam lived on 130 years and begat a son in his what? Own. So is that the same as God's image? In Genesis chapter number 5, he's already fallen into sin, right? After his own likeness, after his, after his image, and called his name Seth. So when God created man, he created man in his own image. But after man, after Adam sinned, everyone that was born after Adam was created, was born in the image, in the likeness of Adam. Okay, Romans 5 verse 12. That's why, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Which leads us to the question, does God see you in his image or in the image of Adam? That's why we said earlier, talking about the, the will of God and the doctrine of sanctification, this is the very first problem that you need to address first. Uh, God has already addressed that problem. That's why he sent his son. Amen? So, does God see you in his image or in the image of Adam? And so we talked about this when we were talking about the parts of man, about how man... No, even if he has a spirit, is dead spiritually. And Jesus, when he was talking to the Samaritan woman in John chapter number 4, he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in, in truth. It is a prerequisite. Excuse me. It is a prerequisite. Amen. So how can man, no matter what kind of work of righteousness he's doing, no matter how religious he is, how can he connect with God who requires him to, to worship him in spirit and in truth, connect with him if he is dead spiritually? Good question, Sister Maria. <laughs> She's probably asking that in the camera right now. So, look at this. 
uh, in Galatians chapter number four, verse eight to nine, in the book of Galatians, remember we talk about the problem, how the saved people there, the saved Galatians, would, they would have some false teachers come in and tell them, hey, go back to doing the law because you're not saved if you do the law, if you don't do the law. So Paul, the apostle Paul addresses that. How be it then, verse number eight, that when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. So, see, unsaved people are probably even more religious than us. Right? They'd walk from the back of the church to the front of the church on their knees. Well, that's not walking. That's, their, that's crawling. They would, like I told you last Sunday, they would still crucify themselves. They would, they would scourge themselves. They would give away all their money or their income. Hoping that that makes a connection. Hoping that when they go to heaven, God would, uh, their, their good works would outweigh their bad works. But that's not what God needs. That's not what God demands. He demands righteousness and justification. And that's all brought unto us by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now look, but now, whew, praise God for all that but now. Back then, we did this, and it did not count. But now, watch, after that ye have known God, but then the Apostle Paul stops there. Watch this. Or rather, are known of God. Remember the question? Does God see you in, God, in, in, the image, in His image or the image of man or in the image of Adam? But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? So, quick question. Is God all-knowing? Yes. But how do you explain this verse? In Matthew chapter number 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? See, people don't offer terrible works. People offer wonderful religious works. Works of righteousness. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Uh-oh! There's a mistake in the Bible. Burn that Bible down. Is that, what, is that what happened? Nope. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I thought God knew everything. God knows everything. I thought He is all-knowing. How can He say, I never knew you? This is talking about the legal sense. Amen. Right? Now, we'll continue. The explanation is, if you are in Christ, God sees you in the image of His Son. Watch. That's why we're justified. When we're justified, we are put in Christ. Colossians 1, verse 12 to 15. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance... Of the saints in light. Right. Come back next week. Come back next week. We're going to talk about the saints in light. Remember? 
I'll give you a little preview, maybe, because I'm so excited about talking about this. Uh, remember when Adam and Eve fell into sin, all of a sudden, they realized that they were naked? Well, quick question. How did they not realize that they were naked? That, that, uh, how did, well, were they wearing anything before they fell into sin? Hmm. How is it that Renaissance painters, when they paint saints, they always have halos? Have you seen those? Or they're always illuminated before, you know, compared to other, other people in that painting. They're always lit up. Saints in light. There's a verse in Psalm that says, God clothed him, covers himself with light. As with a garment. Come back next week. We'll talk about that. Whew. Isn't God's word amazing? Whew. All right. So, um, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, Praise God for His blood. Amen. Redemption through His blood, even, even the forgiveness of sin, who is what? The image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. Right? And then another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 2 to 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Right? And, and uh, Brother Bill and Miss Ingrid were here when, when we had the visitor uh, who, who needed to talk to, who needed us to pray with them um, from Canada, this gentleman. And I asked them, are you saved? He said, yes. And then I said, can you tell me what you're trusting in or what does a person have to do to be saved? And then he said, he actually gave the right answer. At first, he says, well, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the only way. And then I did something, if you remember, Brother Bill, I don't mean to try to trip him or to try to trick him, but as a believer, I just wanted to make sure. I asked him this question, if you remember. I said, is there anything else? And then he started giving works. See? Because if our gospel is hid, if he says, well, you only have to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but plus something else, then he's not only trusting in the gospel, he's not only trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's trusting in Jesus Christ plus something else. See, so I don't just stop there. I ask them, is there something else? Anyway, um, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the what? Image. image of God, should shine unto them. So if you are in Christ, God sees the image of His Son. If you are not saved, you are not in Christ. God sees the image of Adam. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 21. For since by man 
came death. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Right? So summary? We're not done yet. That's just the summary of point one. So you're putting your shoes back on. Not yet. <laughs> uh, the image of God versus the image of Adam. God created Adam in his image. Adam sinned, number two, and, and everyone was born in Adam's image after that, meaning spiritually dead. Before salvation, number three, no matter what religious thing we do, it does not count because it is done in Adam or in the flesh. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. Number four, upon salvation, we are placed in Christ. Number five, our standing upon Upon and after salvation is in Christ. So God sees the image of Christ even if we or the world do not see it. Are you seeing where we're going now? The standing against the state? And number six. But we will bear the image of Christ. Now God sees the image, us in the image of Christ. Although we do not see it yet. Although the world looks at us and says, That brother Francis, he's the biggest sinner I know! The world does not see it. Nobody sees it. We cannot see it. But God looks at us, at us and sees us. Oh, he's in Christ. But one day, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But we will bear the image of Christ upon the adoption. Remember the adoption? Which is also the redemption of our bodies during the catching away, during the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 to 49. The first man is of the earth. What? Earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, watch. We shall also bear the image of of the heavenly. Amen. So let's look at some examples. This is point number two and then we're done. Right? Let's look at some examples of the difference between the standing and the state of the believers. The difference between the image of God and the image of Adam. That was clear? No questions on that? Amen. Let's look at some examples. Number one. We already talked about that. Our standing has to do with what God sees. And so it's in the eyes of God, meaning it's who we are. Our state has to do with the, of what man sees in the eyes of man, meaning it's what we do. You with me? All right? So, just like this famous verse, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, and I love the verbs over here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He will be. No, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So right now, if you're saved, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are become new, praise God. That's our standing right now. Okay? But, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, let's talk about the state. 
And here's, this is, bear with me for a sec because this is a long passage that we're going to read, take the time to read. We might not finish all of this right today, but since, you know, since we're going to be talking about this again next Sunday, um, we'll just continue there on. If the Lord comes and takes us away, we can talk about this in heaven. First <laughs> Corinthians chapter number six, verse one. He's ta- who's talking here? Paul. Who's he speaking to? The Corinthians. Now watch. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? And this is, this is why lawyers call cases matters. It came from this verse over here. That's just, that's just awesome to me. There any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do you know that the saints, who is he talking to? Corinthians. And they're called saints. Meaning they are what? Saved. Their standing is they're saved. But he's talking to Corinthians and we know that the Corinthians are carnal Christians. Their standing is that they're saved, but their state is that they're carnal Christians. So much so that they are going to the unsaved judge to settle cases between themselves, among themselves. He says, no, you not, do, you not, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? You're saved. You're quarreling against each other. So much so that you have to go to court. You can't settle it in a Christian manner. And an unsaved man has to be an arbiter between the two of you. (laughs) What a testimony, amen? What a testimony of the saved. And Paul says, you're, you're going to judge the angels. How can you not solve this case between the two of you? If then ye have judgment, next verse number four, if, we, if, sorry, if then ye have judgment of things pertaining to this life, am I? You're right. Right. Set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church, I speak to your shame. It, is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother and that, bef- and that before the unbelievers. So that's proof that they were saved people. They were brethren in Christ, right? So their standing is they're saved. Their state is that it's horrible. They have to go be- before an unbeliever. Now, therefore, verse number uh, four, now, now, therefore, number seven, now, therefore, uh, there is utterly a fault among you because ye go into law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud and that your brethren. Okay. Number nine, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I, and I need to, to park here just for a bit. Okay? Just for a bit. And this is the Bible that's speaking. Right? How many of you believe that the Bible is true? Amen. 
So, is the Bible just true for during the time of Paul? Or is it still true today? Still true today, right? And so this is going to be a hard saying here. I think you know where I'm going because you can read it out there, right? Um, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, we know what that means, nor idolaters, we know that that, what that means, nor adulterers, we know what that means, nor, what's that next word? Effeminate. I don't know if we're going to get to Facebook jail here, brother, uh, brother Mike, but bear with me for a sec. It's not even a question of gays and lesbians. Because the Bible says that's a sin. God goes beyond that. And if you are a man and you are acting effeminately that is in line with fornication, idolatry, and adulterers. Is that Bible or no? And can I tell you something? That's also in line with lying, which we have all done. Lying is a sin that will send you to hell. Same as being effeminate. And same as being a murderer. Sin is sin. And that is the reason why Jesus Christ died and the cross was buried and rose again. If there's somebody who is effeminate that comes to our church and, and worships with us and, and wants to know more about God, that doesn't mean we're going to, be, we're going to grab them by the collar and say, what? God hates effeminate men. Not going to do that. We're going to be we're not going to be ugly to them. Amen. It's the same thing as a liar is when a liar comes to church. It's the same thing. Sin is sin. Are you with me here today? Let's become quiet. I'm getting nervous. It's the same thing, isn't it? Sin is sin. Like Somebody asked us this question before. What if somebody like that came to this, work, to, to this church? And the answer to that is this. Well, what if a murderer came to this church? Well, here's the answer. If a murderer, a liar, an effeminate person, a gay person, a lesbian person, whoever came to this church and their desire is to know more about salvation and to have their lives changed, they're welcome. Praise God, we're going to fellowship with them. And by the grace of the living God, we're going to try to build them up. Amen. Amen. If their desire is to come here and do something else, then that's when we need to be careful. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Is that Bible? Amen. Right? You don't get that too much in many churches these days. So, <laughs> All right. So, um, not nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But, watch this, this is the best part here. Such were some of you, but ye are. Oh, thank God for that. You were this before. 
But now ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. But ye are justified. Can you imagine all these carnal Corinthians doing all these sins? All the state, state of calamity. Paul said, but ye are presently your standing is ye are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of, our Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Here's where we're, this is not, we're not done. There's still a couple of things, but we're going to stop here. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Right? So number one, standing has to do with who we are, or what, you know, what God sees. State has to do with man, what man sees. Number two, or we're going to end here. Standing has to do that all things are lawful. But state, all things are not expedient. Right? How many of you are saved today? Raise your hand. Praise God. You know, whatever sin you do, that's, this is not, it's not a permission to do sin, right? But if we fall into sin, no matter what that sin is, you're still saved. That's not Francis 1.1. That's what the Bible says. Amen. No matter what sin you do, there is nothing that is unlawful anymore. It is, you're still going to be saved. If I, hopefully not, but if I commit something wrong, it is not unlawful. It is still lawful. I am still saved. Right? Will, quick question. Will doing drugs take away your salvation? No. So it's still lawful at you. It's not unlawful. But is it, a, is it a smart thing to do? Is it expedient? No. Do you see the difference between the standing of the state just in that huge verse from 1 Corinthians 6 verse 1 to 11? All things are lawful. No matter what you do, praise God for what He did. You are saved. But not everything is expedient. Your state has to be taken care of, just like what we read in that verse earlier. Take care of your state. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your words. Lord, we pray that if anything, we would be encouraged. Well, first of all, if there are people that are not saved, they would be encouraged to be saved. Trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people that are saved that we would be encouraged to take care of our state. And that's by making sure that we dive deep into your words and let it live and take effect into our hearts and lives and minds as we, um, as we read and believe. Thank you, Lord. Please bless the remainder of the service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.